July 6, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin on Daf Sadi Aleph Amud Bet at the very bottom of the page. Two, wor- two lines before the bottom, and then just, I don't know, six or seven words before the end of the line. Amar Rav Hana Barbizna, Amar Bishimon Hasida, Kol Hamonea Halacha Mipi Talmid, Afilu Ubarin Shebeme'e Immo Mekalelinoto. The, the uh, profundity of this statement, the deeper explanation we discussed yesterday, but translating the words and then seeing where the rabbis derived it from the Pasuk, let's repeat today. Uh, the statement is that any person who withholds, who doesn't teach Torah to a student, presumably because he assumes the student is not worthy, won't be able to retain or understand the information, even the babies who are inside the womb of their mothers are cursing or will curse that individual. Shene Imar cites the following pasuk from Yirmiya, excuse me, the following pasuk from Mishle. Pasuk from Mishle says, Mone'a bar yikavuhu le'om. And then the last words, which we'll return to in a few moments, is Ubracha Lerosh Mashbir. But specifically for our purposes, we have these first words. Monea bar, limnoa means to withhold, as that word in the Gemara is monea, you're withholding, you're preventing. Bar, which we'll see in a moment or two, will be translated as Torah. And Yikavuhu will be translated as curse, and we'll understand where that's derived from. And Leom will be referred to as, uh, will be referring to the baby inside the womb. So just in terms of the words before they get to it, it's going to be Mone'abar, if a person withholds and doesn't uh, permit the teaching of Torah. Yikavuhu will be cursed by Leom, the inside, uh, the babies uh, from inside the womb of their mother. What's the derasha? Says the Gemara at the top of Tasadibet. Ve'en Leom ela ubarin. And you should know the word Leom refers to babies uh, inside the womb of their mother. Shene emar ulom milom ye emas. That's Pasuk in Parashat Toledot by Yaakov and Esav. It's when Rivka is asking what's taking place. She's told, she's told, the struggle of the two, but they're referred to as Leom, and as a result, Leom is, in, is, is referred to in turn as those babies internally. And furthermore, says the Gemara, that word, Yikavuhu, en kaba ela kelala, that's a reference to curse. How do you know? Shene emar, ma'ekob lo kabo el. Those are the words, of course, of Bil'am, about whom we'll read in a few weeks from now. What can I curse? What should I curse that hasn't been cursed by God? It means the Lashon of, or, or the Shoresh of Kof Beteh is in some way, sometimes referring to a curse. We've discussed this on other occasions. It really, uh, you'll see it from the end of Parashat Pinehas, seems to be making a hold. The Gemara will make clear about that in a few moments. Even the Lashon Nekeva, Nekev, Kabo, has that same sort of Shoresh. Uh, but when you curse a person or curse an entity, to a certain extent, you punctured a hole in it. And as a result, the specifics over here is the kabod of, in the pasuk, is the cursing of those babies, so to speak, as we discussed yesterday, the deeper meaning. Ve'en bar ela Torah. And you should know that word bar is a reference to Torah. How do you know Shine Imar, as the Pasuk says at the very beginning, the second chapter of Tehilim, Nashe Kubar Penye Enaf. 
right? To kiss, or more specifically, to be engaged intimately with. Bar is a reference in this context to Torah. It really means like grain. It means uh, core sustenance. And you should engage and kiss that Torah because if you don't, you'll feel and you'll experience the rage of God. All right, well, that's the derasha. We've now, uh, we've now um, uh, pointed to each one of the words and given the re- reference and vantage point from other places how we're being doresh in such a fashion. Continues the Gemara. You should know, As is a person who is monea Torah from a Talmud, uh, so the example we gave until now was those curses from the babies. No, differently, you should know I'm going to read the same pasuk, but instead of reading that word in the pasuk, which was yikavuhu, as being cursed, I'm going to read it as being punctured, as I told you earlier. That's really what the word means. And kikivra, or kikvara, kvara is a sieve, and a sieve, of course, is filled with all sorts of holes. You want to separate I don't know, the, uh, the, the material, the uh, substance that's in your water, in your beverage, you'll put it through a sieve, which has many little holes. You'll be punctured with many little holes. First read the derasha and then try to understand, what does that have to do with anything? I mean, our assumption is we've met or we know of people who don't teach enough Torah when they have the ability to. They're still intact. They don't have holes all over themselves. Obviously, the rabbis are referring to something deeper than actually a physical hold. Ketiv hacha, on the one hand, the pasuk says, by us, yikavuhu le'om. That's the pasuk, the yikavuhu, the puncturing of some sort. Tivatam vaikov hor bildalto. In that context, it's a reference to actual holes. And lastly, on this imagery, ve'amara baye ki uchala de kasare. You should know the type of holes that will be punctured. It's not just like uh, a few holes in a sieve. It's like the uh, basket and the utensil of a um, uh, of a laundry person, which apparently has many holes in order for the water to escape from. Explains Rashi. What's the uh, reference over here? What sort of imagery is this? Maharsha suggests, based on the Gemara in Masechet Avodazaran Daf Lamedhed, the Gemara over there likens a Talmit Hacham to a bottle of perfume. If a bottle of perfume is emptied out, well then as a result, it's effective and it's spread and it gets a certain life. If it's kept intact, if it's not emptied out, so then you can't smell anything. It's protected by the glass or the clay, which keeps it inside. And as a result, you know, the potential of that individual who has Torah is absolutely lost. In turn, the statement over here in the Gemara says Maharsha is the flip side. So you're that individual who's keeping the perfume inside the bottle. You should know it's not really going to be kept inside. If you're not teaching it, it will be punctured and let out. You'll have a certain forgetfulness. You'll have a certain loss of any efficacy of that Torah, which was supposed to be spread out. Lastly, the imagery of Abaye, which if you recall is like that, uh, that laundry person's basket which has those holes, in many places, both in Navi and Ketubim, and certainly in the eyes of the rabbis, Torah is likened to water. So it makes a lot of sense that his specific and particular imagery is to that, uh, that clothes basket, the basket of the laundry person, where you're referring to the water which is sprinkled in or out because it's a reference to the Torah that's being lost or being wasted. Okay, says the Gemara, what if you do go ahead and you teach the Torah? Uh, you didn't 
Oh, you weren't monea. You did the right thing. What's your sachar? Amar Ravai says, read the rest of the pasuk. So the initial part of the pasuk, monea bari kavuhu leom, we were reading as, if you're monea, the Torah, which is that bar, yikavuhu leom, translated in one of the two ways we just did. What about the last words? Uberacha, there's beracha, lerosh mashbir. That person will merit, will be worthy of berachot like Yosef. Yosef is the reference, the paradigm of Yosef. Yosef is referred to as the mashbir. Lishbor Ochel, to be Shover Bar, is a reference to being able to be sustained by. Yosef was the sustainer. Stands to reason in the Pasuk that we're likening you to Yosef. Who was Yosef after all? He was the one who was sustaining others as a result. If you're the person who's sustaining others by spreading knowledge, maybe not physical nutrients and sustenance, but spiritual, well, you're likened to Yosef with all of the positive that comes with Yosef. He did it perhaps physically. You're doing it intellectually and spiritually. Amar Av Sheshat, Statement of Rav Sheshat is if a person is to teach Torah in this world, he'll eternally or he'll in the future as well be teaching Torah. Now see, that statement brings us back to a statement that we learned yesterday and links us to a statement that we'll learn uh, yet to come on this Amud. And that is that there are these statements time and again of a person who was involved with the appropriate endeavors in this world, well, then again or continued experience will be in those same endeavors, which makes a lot of sense if we envision Tehiyat HaMetim and Olam Haba as this purposeful domain and realm and time during which you bring to completion. You'll only bring to completion if you began something here, which means to say this world by definition, imagine growing up, all right, let's do it like this. You grew up in a household which was very nurturing and you were beginning to spread your wings and you were growing both with regards to your business acumen and your spiritual connectedness and so on and so forth, but you were stunted, you were under the same roof as your parents, as your siblings, as the community, whatever it is, and you needed a certain separation from it, a, sep- a separate domain, realm, and time in order to complete yourself. Now, if you hadn't gotten the training initially, well, then you went out and you're, ultim- you're, you're completely and utterly lost. If alternatively you began it, but you need that next stage in order to complete it, well, that's the reference throughout over here. That's the Gemara we learned yesterday of the Shira. If you began with that Shira Ba'olam Hazeh, so then you're finishing the Shira Ba'olam Haba. If you're not noticing and having a mind and your finger on the pulse of existence, in the appropriate way in this life, quote-unquote, so then it won't be completed in that life, quote-unquote. But that's the statement over here again of Hamilamed Torah Imar, as the Pasuk says, uh, and this is of course a derashah from Pasuk, the Pasuk says in Mishle again, Umarveh Gamhu Yore. Marveh, well we're reading it, Milashon More, instructing, meaning Torah. Marveh really also as well means to... You know, they say lirvaya in Israel. Lirvaya means you should drink well. It means to be um, satiated with water. When you're, when you're thirsty, you want to be... Mar- What's that? 
hydrated. That's the word. So again, if Torah is likened to water, so we're talking about hydration by means of marveh. If a person is marveh, and the derasha is ba'olam hazeh, hu yoreh, he'll continuously do so. Back to this question. We don't have many more of these, so take it in and enjoy it. Savor it in the moment. Yeah, go ahead. Morit Shaol Vayal. We had the ident- identical words from Sefer Devarim. So I'm saying, I don't know that we needed it per se. Devarim is stronger. We will have a Pasuk from Daniel, which is coming up, which is almost explicit. You know, it's like the closest, if not, it is the explicit mention, which will make you wonder, you know, along the same lines that you're beginning. Why do we have all this until right. now? If you have an explicit, so maybe we wanted that I shot in the pesukim in Torah shebichtav and hamisha chumshe Torah. Maybe this is all as the Gemara seems to make it in conversation with others. We're trying to prove and to suggest that it's relevant in all places. But yes, there are other pesukim. A lot of these they have. A lot of these they have. Again, none of them are explicit. All of them have difficulties, quote-unquote, with regards to absolute proof. And as I prefaced on the first day, we don't want, I know it's hard to say, we don't want an absolute proof. We lost a lot of the challenge if there was an absolute proof. Go ahead, Jeff. Just in theory saying, so you're saying in this world, there is learning going on. You have the limitation of what you could learn or teach. Right. Then you have the academic team, there's, it's, it's an in-between Right. Tehiyat is this in-between phase during which the missions, and say it outside of Torah, we're doing it in Torah, say it in your Avodat Hashem, say it in your success, in whatever your personal endeavors are, there are impediments in this regular world. Okay. Uh, tons of them. Uh, I mean, we can, you know, we, we can only begin. you saying Olam Haba continues with this oh. if you started in here? Olam Haba then brings to, quote-unquote, the end game. So you've brought yourself into Hayat HaMetim. I'm giving you the traditional vision without fully understanding. Fully, you know, nobody understands. It's Hayat HaMetim brings to in this world the furthest you can go, which is much further than you and I can go right now. And Olam Haba is then beyond that, so to speak, propelled because you're in this sterilized, separated, neutral zone wherein it's just, and, and in turn, there's the benefits of it, quote unquote. Um, yeah, that's that's the vision. It's the tehiyat ametim, which is the completion, which is what brings to the shelemut, and then the olam haba, which, and then here's the question, as two, three guys asked me about this after class yesterday, is olam haba a domain, that's the way you and I are speaking about it right now, where there's no challenge, where there's no process, or is there still some portion, that's, there's no simple answer to that question. The fact that you're teaching Torah, correct. So Jeffrey points out the fact that you're learning Torah, teaching Torah, means there's still some relevancy with regards to, it's hard for me to say otherwise. I can't fully fathom it. It's hard for me to say otherwise because I think as a human being, if I have any semblance, even if it's not a physical one of humanity, there has to be something. There has to be some progress, some process. Yeah. The derasha is too. Well, the pasuk is twofold. Yehire uven, uven should live. Ve'aliyamot, and he shouldn't die. When you live, you generally speaking don't die. Now, if Jesse were here, we would say, well, peshat is yehire uven. 
And he should continue living. You could have life. I could say you should live until 120. So the, the Pasuk says, but the Derasha instead is differently. They understand that as eternal life. So then what's Aliyamot? It's beyond eternal life. How so? So you should have life. That's right. As long as you can in this world. How are you going to have eternal? How are you going to have no death? And keep in mind that's rim is Again, the interchanging of the words olam haba and tahiyata metim, which again, as we just mentioned a moment ago, tahiyata metim is that segue, is that stage prior to the necessary stage to olam haba. Ravina amar mehacha. This is the pasuk Charles I was referring to just a few moments ago. Verabim miyeshene admat afar yakisu. Many. That's also interesting, and Harambam makes a point of this in one or two places. Although the Mishnah is describing, is it's many. Uh, there's a select, elite, few, or many, but it's not all. From those who are lying, who are resting in the admat afar, in the ground of dust and dirt. Yakitsu, lehakit, mekits nirdami, means to wake up. So that's it. There it is. That's that's an explicit reference in Sefer Daniel. Some will have an eternal, wonderful stake and, and state of being, and others will have an embarrassing, terrible state of being. But ultimately speaking, Daniel's prophecy in this pasuk is That's it. It's not even a remis. It's almost absolutely explicit Ravashe Amar Mehacha Ravashe says read a little onward in Daniel just what uh, 11 Pesukim later as the king responds to him he says Ve'ata you Daniel Lech you should go Ve'ata Lech Laketz Ve'tanuach Ve'ta'amod Le'goralcha Le'ketz Ayamin go to the Ketz Ketz means the specific end time Tanuach you should rest. Ta'amod le'goralcha, and then you'll stand up for your for your stake for your circumstance. Le'kets hayamin, hard words to translate something about the end of the right. Rashi suggests this has two explanations, but Rashi's explanation is that um, we're referring to he, he has this as the, so to speak the right arm of God. Of course, that's anthropomorphic. It doesn't actually have a right arm. But that right arm during uh, destruction of the Mikdash is cast behind him. You don't see and feel the strength of God. In the future, the rebuilding of the Mikdash during times when things are in their appropriate place, the strength of the right will be returned. So it's a reference to, you know, this presence of God uh, in that uh, time period with that circumstance. But again, two pesukim, the first one being almost explicit with regards to tahiyat ha-metim, which I repeat, ketz. makes... Go ahead. Ketz is what it's called. Ketz, no, ketz, like ketz balefanai. Ketz, generally speaking, is saying... It's the set time for something. So ketz in this context is that set time for, call it tahiyat ha-metim. Ketz in the end of where God's right arm, quote-unquote, is cast behind. That's the, uh, the best explanation I have for this. Amar bil azar kol parnas shemanhigat ha-sipur benahat zokheh umanhigam la'olam haba. So they have another one. Of, uh, of, of something taking place in this world, in this existence, so it will continue in the future. Who's this? It's the Parnas. Parnas is the leader of the congregation, the leader of the community. Any, any community leader 
who's manhiget hasibur benachat. Nachat means with a pleasant, appropriate way, which is uh, 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 one which is not too abrasive and strong-willed and strong-armed against people. Uh, that individual will have the opportunity to continue leading in the future. Again, the specific words are olam haba. Does it mean tehiyat ametim during the time of completion? Does it mean olam haba as well? irrespective of, and we might suggest both, it's again, that's what I was referring to earlier, a reference to you can only go so far in this regular existence. The vision is not that I'm working only for that, but I'll see the completion of it there, so to speak, when I move out of the parents. As the Pasuk refers to us in this context, says the Gemara, Ki merahamam, uh, says, the, says the pasukim merahamam, a person who has the rahamim, the mercy upon others, yinahagim, he'll be the manhig, he'll be leading them, ve'al mabu'emayim yinahalim, and he'll be leading them on mabu'emayim, on springs of water, water perhaps a reference again to Torah in this context. Ve'amar bil'azar, says Rabbi al-Azar further, why is he being cited in this context? Well, it was Rabbi al-Azar that we mentioned a moment ago. He's teaching important important aspects and character traits of human beings. That's the only connection that I can think of for this next statement of Rabbi al-Azar. Ve'amar bil'azar, gidola de'a, Joey, right in time for de'a. Shenitena ben shete otiot. De'a, which we'll define or attempt to define in a moment, is so great that it's given, it was presented in between two otiot. Otiot, generally speaking, are, is a reference to a letter. Uh, over here is a reference to the name of God either because it's referring to the letters in the name, says Rashi, or alternatively, Rashi explains, an ot also means like a mofet, something great. So we'll refer to the name of God as that great occurrence, quote-unquote. Sheneema, but what, what are we talking about? Again, de'a is so great, whatever de'a means, because it was given in between, and I'm explaining to you already, the two names of God, as the pasuk says, ki el De'ot Adonai. The word De'ot is in the middle and the names of God, Kel and Hashem, are on the two sides. So we look at that word and we say, you see what the Pasuk is referring us to? You see what it's telling us? It's telling us, it's hinting to us, De'a, Da'at, is something very unique, something divine, something that gives us the opportunity to tap into divinity. What is De'a? Harambam has in his Sefer Hamada an entire segment called Hilchot De'ot. What are Hilchot De'ot? Ironically, although we associate the word De'a and Mada with knowledge, Hilchot De'ot is about Derech Eretz, is the words that we would use today. It's about proper composure of a person and character traits and their way of dealing with others and this world in ways beyond the intellectual. Why is that De'ot? Well, if you look at the first reference to this word in the Torah, it's Adam and Hava having relations. De'a of Hava means coming together with Hava, right? That Yidi'ah in the Torah very often is a reference to reproduction, is when a person has a connectedness to another, we refer to that in the context of this word, De'a. We have it with the word, with Etz Hadat as well, we'll refer to in a moment or two, but for our purposes, De'a at this juncture is a reference to a connectedness. Well, if it's a connectedness, what does that have to do with this? What does that have to do with proper character traits? Well, think no, no further than 
the person who's very cerebral, you know, the person who's really smart, and he kind of locks him or herself away in a room disattached from this world. Yeah, they come up with great theories, they set forth all sorts of directions, but in terms of their engagement with the world, association with people, fixing humanity and society, they can't and don't, that's a person without de'ah. They might have chokmah, perhaps they have binah, but they're not able to attach to others. Hilchot de'ot, therefore, of Harambam, for example, is the individual or individuals who are able to take what they know to be true and to then be connecting it to reality. That's de'ah. That's something that we'll refer to as really great. That's something which takes not only actions and not only thoughts, but it combines the two. It takes not only thoughts which are disassociated from practicality, but it associates them. That's, in my mind, at the core level what we're referring to with regards to dat. Now, again, that's all encapsulating and incorporating. Anytime I say to you, making a connection between one thing to the next, it could be referring to anything on the go, but that association is what's integral in this context. Yes, John. I mentioned, I mentioned. You meant, yeah. It says the Gemara, Ve'amar bil'azar gadol mikedash shenitan ben shete otiyot. You should know the Mikdash, the actual Mikdash, what we're going to be referring to over here. It's also in between two names of God. Shene'emar, Pa'alta Adonai, Mikedash Adonai, Konenu Yadecha. Of course, the word Mikdash is right in between those two names of Hashem. Now, is there any connection? The Gemara will directly link Da'at and Mikdash in a moment. But before we do so, let me suggest a connection. Mikedash, the Mikdash, was unique and, and important for this reason exactly. It was the connection between this and that world. That was and is the purpose of a mikdash. A mikdash is a physical place in this world where a person is to enter and find, quote unquote, the collapsed upper worlds of God. In fact, Korbanot, by definition, is supposed to, in my mind, conjure that imagery. When you envision the smoke, the reyach nihalach, rising, effectively what you're doing is you're bringing you the connectedness between this and that world. The Korban is to make something closer. It's to collapse these worlds. That's what it's all about. The concept then of da'at, of a connectedness, is beyond what I mentioned a moment ago in terms of your mind and practicality in this world. It's about connecting worlds Furthermore, that connection, that capacity which human beings are endowed with in an altogether different way than sterile knowledge, than disassociated intellectual information. You know, it's for Nefesh Ha'im, for example, it's how he contrasts angels and human beings. It says angels can perform and can rise in the, in the uh, traditional sense. Uh, so they can rise, they can e- expand their knowledge, so to speak. They can fulfill their mandate and their task. They can't, in turn, make a connection to another in ways that are creative and beyond those bounds. That's the da'at of human beings. Matkifla Rav says, Rav wait a second, you just gave me da'at, you just mentioned to me mikdash, mentioned in between two names of God, you talked about its greatness and its importance. I have something that's in between two names of God, and I'd have a hard time understanding how that's so important. What's that? Matkifla Rav karhina'a what about the following? Gedola nikama. Are you going to say that revenge is great and is important? It too is mentioned in between two names of God. 
It's this morning's Mizmor, El Nekamot Adonai, El Nekamot Ophia. The Nekamot, the revenge of God, is mentioned in between his two names. Are you telling me that revenge is important? Amar le, the response is, absolutely, for its matters, when appropriate, yes, sometimes revenge is appropriate and great. How so? Give the example of Ula. The Pasuk says, Hofia. Hofia means to, uh, to appear. And the vision is there are two appearances. There's two appearances of that nekama, two types of nekama. What are the two types of nekama that appear from God? Ahat lemidat tova, vehad lemidat puranut. One is for nekama, which leads to good, and the other one, which is altogether evil and bad. What sort of reference? So Rashi suggests, you can make up your own, because, you know, the Gemara is cryptic in this context, but Rashi's suggestion goes as follows. He says, a midat tovav nekama is the way the rabbis envision the Torah being given to us as opposed to the non-Jews. That Midrash says, God proposes it to them. They say no, quote-unquote, God takes revenge upon them and gives only us the Torah. That's midat tovav. Revenge can be spun positively in circumstances. It's an omission. It's turning away from them. It's not punishing them. That's the midat tova of nekama. So yes, when the pasuk talks about el nekamot adonai, el nekamot understanding that nekama sometimes can be used and is purposeful for positive, it's in that sort of circumstance. It's not to say it's always positive. It's not to say de'a is always positive, nor is mikdash. You can find just revenge in the punishment sense, says Rashi, of nekama as well, which of course we are not excited about. Azar now putting it all together as we did a moment ago. Da'at and Mikdash, Da and the Mikdash have something in common. They're both mentioned in between the name of God. Let's place them together in one sentence. Kol Adam you should know that a person who has de'a, it's as if the mikdash is built in his day. Both of them are mentioned in between the two names of God. Is that just a feel-good message? Is it just convenient that they're both mentioned? Or alternatively, suggests the fo- along the following lines. He says that, my words, we live now in a time without the mikdash. Does that mean that we're damned? for a terrible existence? Does that mean life will be futile and it's not even worth attempting to construct a connectedness to God and some sort of success in the spiritual domain? Absolutely not. But we don't have the mikdash. Alternatively, if we have that, if we're able to make those connections, to associate shamayim and aretz, to find within our world, without a mikdash, the association of ruhaniyut and gashmiyut, to find in anything and everything that we do that connectedness, so that's as if you rebuilt the Mikdash. It's for that reason the Hachamim in many places have a statement. If you do this, it's as if you built the Mikdash. You do this, it's as if the Mikdash is in your time. They're, they're, they're really bringing you back to this point. Sometimes the ironic reality, which I think we can all uh, um, relate to, is without the Mikdash, and specifically without the Mikdash, we're more driven to doing so. If it's in place, if the crutch is there, 
there, so we're less in tune with the mandate at hand. Without the Mikdash, so now I need to find God in the physical world. I don't just walk into the Mikdash and assume that slaughtering an animal brings him into this world or associates him with the coarse reality of, of, of physicality. Instead, I need to, in my business, in my everyday engagements and encounters with human beings in this world, find them. That's a person with that appropriate de'a, ultimately speaking, is made wealthy. The, the rooms will be filled with the hon and yekar, with all sorts of wealth and, and expensive matters, with da'at. Why is da'at associated with wealth? Well, you guys are out in the business world, know the successful people, perhaps are all the successful people. I think the association with the product, the concept, the idea, and then applying it is what it's all about. I think if you just have the idea and aren't able to sell it, you're not mitasher, you're not, in the, in the literal sense, in the physical sense, you're not becoming wealthy. If you're only a salesman and you don't have the idea as well, you don't have someone backing you on the idea, you're not mitasher either. It's the association, again, that's the success in general, but it's most tangible in the context of making money. A person who doesn't have de'a, you shouldn't be merciful to them. Why not? Because you're squandering, you're setting them up for a wrongful circumstance. This is a person living in, uh, in La La Land, living outside of, in, 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 without any real touch and contact with reality, and you're now bringing them in and seeking and searching. I mean, imagine a person who's, who's just altogether, I, I don't know, disassociated from reality, and as a result, instead of seeking and searching for a direct path for them, you're just supporting them. That's not so appropriate. You perhaps need to support while guiding. And as a result, if you don't, says the Gemara, there's an issue. You're doing the wrong thing. You're setting them up to become further and further disengaged from reality. So the Pasuk again, as a person, the, the, the nation which is not Bino doesn't have the appropriate knowledge, therefore doesn't have the rahamim. Lastly, we'll read this, a person who gives his bread specifically in this midrash to a person who doesn't have de'a, that person will have uh, pain and suffering fall upon him. And they cite a pasuk as a dirashah for this from Sefer Ovadia. The pasuk says, Yasimu mazor tahtecha before that, we'll return to the dirashah tomorrow to explain how that fills out, but just for the, not, the understanding of it, this Maharsha links up to Gemara Masechet Pesachim, a Gemara here, Masechet Sanhedrin, and Daf'ayin, which envisions this Eshada'at as having been perhaps an Eitz of Hita. Hita, of course, brings forth bread. The vision then is, if you're feeding the person bread, which is supposed to be quote-unquote the food of da'at, but they don't have that da'at, so you're misleading them, you're leading them in the wrong track. 
what sort of vision does that have for us? We're not supposed to eat from Eitz Hadat. It brings us back to a motif and a point that the Gemara here is striving to, 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 set, to set us up for, and it's one that we've stressed on many occasions. The concept here throughout, if you're listening to the words as an outsider, you're talking about Da'at appropriately. I thought Eitz Hadat is what we're supposed to be away from once you're in this world, once you're outside of the Gan Eden existence. It's about eating that bread of the Eitz Hadat. We've eaten from it. Achalti no, Joey. And the concept is you live in a world now of humanity, a world of society. You need to engage with others. You need to make those connections. If you're in quote-unquote Gan Eden, if you're living and dwelling in Olam Haba, where that association, that process, that world of engaging with others and making the connections is not relevant, so then you're not eating it. But once you're in this world, you may as well, and that's the mandate, that's the responsibility of each of us, engage in it and do it right. Baruch Adonai Amen, amen.